What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English. I appreciate everyone who's been tuning in and showing me support, whether it's been on my podcast or my Instagram live sessions. If you haven't done so already, please go ahead and give me a follow at English Encore Podcast, all one word. On Instagram, you can click on the IGTV section and watch back all of my previous live sessions, as well as check out my Spotify, which is in the bio, if you haven't done that already. Um, next week, I'm be doing a giveaway to celebrate one year of doing podcasting. It's going to be a jersey giveaway, so be sure to look out for a post on how to enter that and win. And then if you didn't get to see it on Instagram yesterday, big announcement in this Sunday, I'll be going live with former Buffalo Bills wide receiver and current CFL wide receiver of the Montreal Alouettes, Naaman Roosevelt, a former UB product, born in Buffalo, really great guy. Um, really excited to get to go live with him, talk about his transition from the NFL to the CFL. He's been one of the best CFL wide receivers since he's made his way over there, multiple thousand-yard receiving seasons, named an all-star. It's going to be his first season with the Alouettes, as previously he's been with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Talk about his journey to the NFL, getting to play for his hometown Bills, you know, getting to, you know, play with the Detroit Lions and Cleveland Browns as far as, you know, preseason tryouts go, stuff like that. Um, just pick his brain. And then I'll still be trying to get Matt Bovey to talk some Sabres. We've kind of just had some, you know, conflicting things going on as far as working out a perfect time, but I'm still tr planning on getting him on whether it's next week or the week after, going to eventually get it done for you guys. Um, some other great guests lined up in the future as well. So go give Instagram a follow. Today I'm going to be talking about the most intriguing qualifying round series for the NHL playoffs, which are coming up very, very soon. Um, really great to start having sports back. We had MLB back last night. NBA starting to do their scrimmages before they start playing um, early next week. And then NFL still looking on pace to start their season. So really good things going on in sports. Obviously, MLS has been, or excuse me, just English Premier League soccer, all that stuff's been going on. Some tennis has been starting up again, too, as well. So it's really good to start seeing um, things back. Then I'll be talking about some unsung heroes to watch in the NBA playoffs, kind of X-Factor players. These aren't going to be your LeBron James, your Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, I know those guys aren't playing, but those type of level players. It's be more of your bench guys, um, maybe starters who aren't really at all-star level, but are just good quality starters. So I'm getting into five players, three from the Western Conference, two from the East, um, to keep an eye on. And finally, we're finishing off my list today for quarterback rankings. I'm going to be doing seven through one. So far, we've done all the way from 32 to eight. So I'll be finishing that off today. Starting off with the NHL. I'm just going to go through a quick rundown of both the East and Western Conference playoff series for qualifying around and talk about which matchup I think is the most intriguing from a fan perspective. So for the East, you have Pittsburgh first Montreal, the Hurricanes first the Rangers, the Islanders, Panthers, and then the Leafs versus the Blue Jackets. And in the West, you have the Oilers first the Chicago Blackhawks, National Predators versus the Coyotes, Vancouver Canucks first Minnesota Wild, and the Calgary Flames first the Winnipeg Jets. So starting off in the Eastern Conference, I think the 6-11 matchup between the Carolina Hurricanes and New York Rangers is the most intriguing by far to me. 
just because when I look at Pittsburgh, Montreal, Carey Price most likely isn't going to play. So, and Montreal really is realistically was never going to make the playoffs unless this um, expanded playoffs happen. Pittsburgh's finally fully healthy. It looks like they're going to get Jake Gensel back as well. So I think they're just going to steamroll over Montreal. Islanders Panthers is a little more interesting as well. Um, but the Panthers um, defense is what really concerns me only because they do have a lot of talent on the defensive side of the puck. But I just think against a team like the Islanders who really clamps down on you in the defensive zone and then gets a lot of good shot and, you know, net front presence on the offensive side of the puck, I think it's going to be a tough matchup for them. And then Leafs Jackets is just very tough because the Leafs have been eliminated in the first round pretty much every single year um, for the past five, six years. Columbus made a really deep run last year, um, knocked out Tampa Bay in a sweep, which was Super unexpected, but then they lost a lot of their key players, Panarin, Duchesne, all those type of guys. So they're kind of a wild card again this year. But Hurricanes Rangers is super intriguing to me just because you have Carolina who made an unexpected run to the Eastern Conference Finals last year before losing to Boston. They have a ton of, ton of talent up front with Aho, Teravinen, uh, Shvetsnikov, Trocek, who they acquired right before the trade deadline. Um, the biggest question for them is definitely going to be defensively and goaltending because Morazic's been up and down and shaky most of the year. And Dougie Hamilton still doesn't look like he's going to be able to play. He tried skating for the first time the other day, and it didn't go very well. And he's an X factor for them on the blue line. I know they have Jacob Slavin, who's going to be able to hold it down for them. But when Dougie Hamilton plays, this team could easily make a run to the Easter Conference Finals. Again, I think he's that great of a defenseman. Um, his name doesn't get tossed around enough when you're talking about top 5, 10 defensemen in the NHL, in my opinion. Then you look at the Rangers side. You have Panarin, who's a Hart finalist, along with Leon Dreisaitl and Nathan McKinnon. Um, Henrik Lundqvist, uh, Shesterkin, and then Georgiev. Three different goaltenders. Two of them are rookies. It's a very um, interesting situation because of injuries and whatnot. They're all healthy now. So no one really knows who they're going to go with in the playoffs. My guess would be they test out Lundqvist. Um, and then depending on how the series is going, if they go down 2-0 or something in the best of five, um, they're going to probably try to give these young guys a shot because they're a little bit cap-tied and no one's going to be taking on the contract of Henrik Lundqvist in a trade unless they decide to cut him, which I don't think they will. So I think they're going to have to move on from one of those two goalies in the offseason in a trade. So I think they want to see which one they'd like to keep. And then outside of Panarin, they really got to rely on a second scoring option. And we just don't know who that's going to be. Chris Kreider and Zibanejad have been good all year for the Rangers. But now it's going to be if they can perform in the playoffs. Um, Kreider's kind of been iffy in the playoffs when he's gotten there. And then Zibanejad, same type of thing. Um, if they want to make a run, all three of those guys really have to play at an elite level, considering Kako Kako um, hasn't produced as the number two overall pick as they thought he would this year. Um, defensively, they have um, some good young players, but goaltending is definitely the biggest um, wild card for them because you don't know who's going to start. And then out west, I think this one's pretty easy, and I think if you polled a lot of NHL fans, they would tell you this matchup between Calgary and Winnipeg. Um, it really stinks that there's not going to be fans because if you had this matchup with fans, it'd be one of the most electric atmospheres in playoff history, in my opinion, um, especially in today's game. Um, 
both super passionate fan bases. You have Winnipeg, who has one of the finalists for the Vesna, Connor Hellebeck. They have a ton of veterans who have been to the playoffs before. Wheeler, Line, Shifley, Ehlers, Connor. Um, they're very young defensively, which I think is going to be their biggest issue. They lost Truba, Myers, Sherratt, and Dustin Bufflin all in one offseason. So that's a huge loss for them on the defensive side of the puck. And then you look at Calgary. This could be the last run for that core group of guys with Goudreau, Monahan. You know, they brought back Lucic. Um, you look at their goaltending. They have Cam Talbot, who's been the better goalie this year. But David um, Riddich just looks like he's going to be the one that's going to start. Um, they're both not great in net. Um, they've also had a lot of injuries, um, both on the offensive side of the puck and defense. Not to any of their big-name players, but a lot of good third, fourth-line guys and top six guys defensively. So um, it's going to be huge for Mark Giordano to step up um, and play great defense for them if they want to make a run. But um, if Calgary ends up losing to Winnipeg, this might be um, an offseason where you see Calgary make a giant move. I don't know if it'll be Goudreau. I think Monaghan would be the guy that they'd move before Goudreau, but um, we will definitely see. So those are definitely uh, the two matchups I'm going to watch. Canucks Wild really is not that intriguing to me. Minnesota is kind of a grit grind. Canucks more fast pace up and down. Um, Coyotes Predators is a little interesting. And then Oilers Blackhawks kind of has that star power. You have like the new generation of, you know, Dreisaitl and McDavid versus the old uh, Taves and Kane who made playoff run after playoff run and won multiple cups. So that'll be a little bit of interesting story. But Hurricanes, Rangers, Calgary, Winnipeg are the two matchups I would be personally watching. Moving on to the NBA. So just starting to watch some of these scrimmages and see the players who are coming back off injury, players that are joining the teams, whether it was via picking them up free agency, guy like J.R. Smith for the Lakers, or, you know, a guy joining the team who's been on there but was dealing with, you know, getting reinstated by the NBA, whatever it may be. Um, these are five guys I think that could have huge impacts on whether or not their team will win an NBA championship this year and guys that you may not expect um, to really think about. Starting off at number five, I have Goran Dragic of the Miami Heat. Miami is going to be a wild card, um, and I'm not even just saying that because I'm a Heat fan. If you look at what they've done against the top three, four teams in the Eastern Conference this year, I want to say they have like a 12-4 and four record, and I know they beat every single one of the teams in front of them. So they can compete with the Celtics. They can compete with the Raptors. They can beat the Sixers. They've shown it. And they beat the Bucks every time they played in the regular season. And they're the team that really uh, Giannis struggles against because they have long, lengthy guys like Bam Adebayo, like Derek Jones Jr., like Kelly Olenek, who can line up against Giannis in the paint and really um, clog it up and give him some trouble. Um, those athletic-type big men, power forward, small uh, centers really have been giving him trouble over the course of his career. Um, and I think Goran Dragic is going to be an X factor because you look at the starting lineup, you have Kendrick Nunn, you have Duncan Robinson, one of the best shooters in the NBA alongside with Jimmy Butler and Bam, the two, you know, all-stars. Then you have Dragic who kind of took on that bench role as the sixth man. Um, after Kendrick Nunn kind of took the reins and he, if he could come off the bench and give you 14 to 16 every single night. A guy who's been to the playoffs, been in the big moments before, um, and can help you know the young guys off the bench, especially a guy like Tyler Hero. 
I think he's going to be a huge part if the Miami Heat can make a deep run in the Eastern Conference and even to the finals this year. Um, my next guy, a little bit more of a star player, Eric Bledsoe from the Bucks, but you know Middleton and Adetokounmpo are kind of the two guys everyone talks about when you talk about the Bucks. Eric Bledsoe has come up small in the playoff, everyone, and I think this is his biggest chance to show um, that he can be that guy. There is no Kyrie in this playoffs. Um, he's going to be one of the better guards in the Eastern Conference, and he is going to have to be that dude if they want to make a run to the championship. Because when you get to the finals and you got to go up against some of these better point guards or some of these guys who are very strong defensively, like Patrick Beverly, or like if you go up against the Nuggets, you got to go against a Jamal Murray, the Lakers. Um, it's a little different because LeBron plays the point. But, you know, normally I'd be talking about if you had to go up against like a Steph Curry, but if Portland makes a run, you got to go up against Damian Lillard. He's got to be able to match that other person. And so far in his playoff career, he hasn't been able to do that. So I think he's a big X factor to see if the Bucks can win a championship. Um, number three, I have Deion Waiters for the Lakers. Um, it was really interesting. I wasn't really thinking about him too much. And then I kind of forgot he had signed with them after his incidents with Miami. Part of ways with him. Traded him to the Grizzlies and they cut him. And then he signed with the Lakers. He didn't really play at all because he was dealing with injuries. Now he's finally back. He's going to be that scoring guy who can also run the point when LeBron has to go to the bench. And just based off what I saw in the scrimmage, he looks healthy. He looks lean again. You know, he came into camp last year with Miami overweight. Um, he looks like he's in great shape. And if he could put up 10, 15 points, give LeBron an extra two, three minutes off the bench, or on the bench, excuse me, to rest, I think that's going to be huge for the Lakers. But I will say, watching LeBron James... He looks in great shape. He looks fast. That rest, I think, is going to do that team wonders. Number two, I have Yusuf Nurkic of the Portland Trailblazers. I think he is super interesting and can really, really make the Western Conference very intriguing and a potential for a huge upset in the early rounds of the playoffs because they have the eight games to try to make it to that final playoff spot. Um, he hasn't played the entire season because of his injury last year. But him getting back into the starting lineup to go along with Dame and CJ, you have Carmelo Anthony now again as well. Zach Collins is back. The Blazers are fully healthy. And you saw what they were able to do last year in the playoffs, making it all the way to the Western Conference Finals. And that was without Yusuf Nurkic. If Nurkic is healthy, playing well, and they can get into the playoffs, if I was the one or two seed, whether I'm the Lakers, the Clippers, whoever I am, Nuggets, and I have to play the Blazers, I would not want to see them. That is a chance that team could punch you in the mouth, um, beat you in a seven-game series. They went toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Warriors last year. They're not a team to be taken lightly. Um, Damian Lillard's shown he's a clutch playoff performer, um, so watch out for that team. And then number one, I think people are going to be very surprised by this, but it's Seth Curry of the Dallas Mavericks. Seth Curry showed a lot of promise last year for the Blazers, making some big shots, especially in the Western Conference Finals against the Warriors, against his brother. And I think he could be the reason the Mavericks win or lose a series or make a run to the Western Conference Finals. You have Porzingis. You have Doncic. You know what those two guys are capable of, what they're going to do. You have the right role players around them. 
as starters, whether it's Tim Hardaway, um, those type of guys. Seth Curry off the bench, if he can do anything close to what he did the other night in that scrimmage, going 6 of 6 from 3, and if he just gets hot during this playoff stretch and just goes bananas from 3 and gives them 15 to 20 unexpectedly off the bench every single night, that could be huge for them because I wouldn't say they're one of the weaker benches, but they don't have nearly the bench depth that some of these other teams in the Western Conference have, like the Nuggets, like the Clippers, um, the Rockets, all those sorts of teams. And I think he can make a huge impact um, in that way. And then finally for today, going into my final QB ranking. So just a quick recap of last week. So going from 14 through 8. So 14 was two guys. I had Phil Rivers slash Cam Newton because th- this list was made prior to Cam Newton signing with the Patriots. So those two together at 14. Jimmy Garoppolo at 13. Matt Ryan 12. Dak Prescott 11. Ben Roethlisberger 10. Matthew Stafford at 9. And Carson Wentz at 8. Number 7, I have the newest quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady. Um, he probably could be a little bit higher. I think Tom Brady has the chance to cement um, going down as the greatest quarterback of all time this season. And I know he's already considered that by a lot of people. A lot of the older generation will probably tell you it's Joe Montana, it's Dan Marino, it's any one of those kind of quarterbacks. But if Tom Brady goes to the Buccaneers and makes the playoffs or goes deep in the playoffs and wins the Super Bowl, makes the Super Bowl, there is no longer the conversation of, oh, he only won and did things on the Patriots because of Bill Belichick. Like, no, if he wins with the Buccaneers, he's proven that he's the GOAT. Um, And I'm not afraid to say that. You know, I dealt with him being a Bills fan for, you know, 16, 17 years, however long he was there. And he is the greatest of all time, in my opinion. I didn't get to watch Montana, so I can't really give an opinion on him. But um, he's my number seven quarterback. Number six, I have Lamar Jackson. And I know people would probably say that's a little bit too low. I know a lot of people think he's second or third best quarterback in the league, which I completely disagree with. I know he won MVP last year, and he's had two great seasons so far. But to me, it count, or it, he hasn't shown up when it matters most. When he's played in the big, big games and he's played in the playoffs, he has come up very, very small. Um, you can look at what he did against the Colts two years ago and look at what happened against them, the Titans last year. Came up very small in those games. And until he proves more in the playoffs, I can't have him higher than a lot of these other guys ahead of him. And even Tom Brady could be higher than him. The only reason I have him at seven behind Lamar is because I am curious to see what he can do under Bruce Arians. Number five, I have Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson has shown the ability to be clutch. He's been to the playoffs before. He's won playoff games. Um, He hasn't had nearly the amount of talent around him or the proper coaching compared to a Lamar Jackson who has Harbaugh, who's one of the most underappreciated coaches in NFL history to go along with a strong run game. The Texans have really never had that strong run game. They had Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson who had good years for them, but they weren't nothing special. Like he has DeAndre Hopkins, not anymore, but Will Fuller, Kenny Stills, all those guys were injury prone all the time. Um, never has had a good tight end either. And he's just been, I just don't love Bill O'Brien as a head coach. And I think they're held back offensively because of O'Brien. 
So that's why I have him at number five. Number four, I have Drew Brees, one of the most underappreciated quarterbacks in NFL history. He's a top 10 quarterback in NFL history, in my opinion. Um, should have more Super Bowl rings than he does. I think he has a chance to win another one this year. Um, they did a lot of great things, bringing Emmanuel Sanders going along with Michael Thomas. Um, tight end position's a little iffy. Um, Jared Cook was solid for them last year. Taysom Hill's, you know, that Swiss Army knife that they've always relied on. Strong run game with Kamara and Latavius Murray. Very sound defensively. Easily a Super Bowl contender this year, so Breeze at four. Aaron Rodgers at three. Uh, this was really hard for me because I haven't been impressed with Rodgers over the past few years. But offensive line hasn't been good. Devonta Adams is an elite receiver, but he's had some injuries as well. And the biggest thing why I have Aaron Rodgers so high is because outside of Mahomes and, you know, probably Russell Wilson and a few other guys, Tom Brady, maybe even Carson Wentz in this conversation, he can make throws that no one else can make in the league. And it was it's just mind-boggling that over the time he's been there, since he got drafted by them, they've never drafted a skilled player in the first round since he's gotten there. Wide receiver, tight end, um, running back, whatever it is. They have Aaron Jones and Williams in the backfield, and then they go and draft another running back in the second round. They draft Jordan Love, the quarterback, in the first round. Give him no offensive line help. Don't give him another wide receiver. They don't go out and sign another wide receiver. They lose Jimmy Graham at tight end, so now they don't really have a good, strong tight end. So it's really just Devonta Adams and Valdez Scantling as the two receivers that can do anything. Um, and then he obviously hasn't had a strong relationship with Matt LaFleur despite um, the record last year. So I'm interested to see what he does this year. I have Russell Wilson as number two. Russell Wilson is the second-best quarterback in the league. I don't care what anyone says. What he's been able to do with talent around him, consistently being a playoff team, even when they're doubted. Um, he's only made his playoffs one time in his career so far. Been to the Super Bowl twice. Should have won two Super Bowls if they would have just handed the ball off to Marshawn Lynch. DK Metcalf is continuing to ascend. Tyler Lockett. Um, is a great receiver. The best receiver he's ever played with is Doug Baldwin. Um, they might bring back Josh Gordon. Antonio Brown's been rumored to potentially go there. They have a really strong run game with Chris Carson, Rashard Penny, if they bring back Marshawn Lynch. Um, Will Disley was good for them at tight end possession this year as well. Um, and he just overachieves expectations all the time. And then finally, number one, easy enough, Patty Mahomes. Um, just got the huge 10-year payday. Two years, league MVP, won a Super Bowl. Makes every single throw on the field. Does things that no other quarterback in NFL history can do with a football. Has a core around him that's going to be around him for a long time. Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey. They drafted the running back from LSU this year to go along with um, Damian Williams, who was spectacular in the playoffs last year. Strong off offensive line. They locked up some key defenders long-term. Chris Jones, Tyron Matthew, uh, Frank Clark. Drafted some great defensive players in the early rounds this year. Good defense or good linebacker Reggie Ragland. So I think they're going to be a powerful, a power horse, eh, powerful force in the AFC for years to come. And I wouldn't ex would not put it past them to win another four or five Super Bowls. So those are my 32 quarterback rankings. You can go back and listen to other episodes to see my other tiers. But that's going to do it for today's episode. I appreciate everyone for tuning in. Like I said before, tune in on Sunday, 1 p.m., former NFL 
wide receiver for the Bills and current CFL wide receiver for the Montreal Alouettes, Naaman Rosenvelt, will be on with me at 1 p.m. Giveaway next week for a jersey, so be sure to follow so you can enter that. Appreciate the support for almost a year now. Um, if you could share my Instagram or my you know Spotify with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever it is, that would be greatly, greatly appreciated. I will be back on Monday with another podcast episode talking about Toronto Blue Jays are officially playing in Buffalo, announced today. Do some more uh, Sabres talk about free agents from each NHL team they could sign, continuing that list, and then talking about some more Bills things, talking about Ed Oliver, um, his charges against him were dropped for his um, DUI that he got while he was back home in Houston. Talking about that, be sure to tune in on Sunday. Hope everyone's staying safe and healthy. Uh, hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week and weekend. Um, this has been English Encore Podcast, Buffalo's favorite sports channel.